Max RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Max! Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 14, Episode 13 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. No, Season 24, yeah. <laughs> Episode 13 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. My name is Gina. Is your mic muted? Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it is. Was. There you go. Hello. In this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Andreas writes in about character versus player knowledge. Christopher Gray sends a confession. Uh, and Chris from Scotland asks how to unwind after an intense game. Good questions. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We're on social meteors. We are. We're on the, the, the Twitter, we're on the Facebook and the Instagram and the MeWe. Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. And we also have a forum. Did you know we have a forum? We have a forum. It's great. It is. HappyJacksForum.com. Mm-hmm. That's HappyJacksForum.com. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to watch the show live, you can go uh, to HappyJacks.org slash live at around 7 p.m. Pacific time on Fridays, and you can watch the show live. Yeah. And we'll see you in the chat room. Hi, chat room. Hello. Only one person said something. Yep. Uh, oh, and by the way, have you heard about Easy Easy Roller Dice's new Kickstarter? I have. Yeah. Yes. I'm very excited about it. Dice of the Giants. Mm-hmm. And it's live mm-hmm. right now. You can do it now. I actually did it this morning. I backed it this morning. Did you? Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it features a 48 millimeter. I don't know what that is in American. D twenty. No, we figured it out last time. It's like like it fills the palm of your like if you cup your hand. Not my it, like, hand. Not your your hands are I, weird. So it, like it's very large. <laughs> it's very big, um, and it has uh, uh, some wicked designs on it, and it features a hand drawn font. You can go to easyrollerdice.com slash giants. That's giants with an S, all lowercase, mm-hmm. and you see the entire set of six and secure yours cool. now. Yeah. They have really cool colors. And the font on them, I really like the specific... They made a custom font for the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. Like the dragon dice. They oh, could do those with the are so cool dice. too. Yes. Yeah. The That's ones that everyone cool. tried to steal. Yeah, those were amazing. <laughs> so. uh, the, dice inclu- uh, the dice include dice of the stone giants, fire giants, hill giants, storm giants, frost giants... I almost spilled my die. Coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it jumped. And cloud giants. Cool. So again, go to easyrollerdice.com slash giants and see them and get yours now. Yeah. Well, you're going to get them right now. You're going to yep. get them, and then when they close, they ship. I, yeah. I assume they do that all at once. The Storm Giant ones are my favorite. Are they? Yeah, the blue ones with the white li- the white words. Those are right. really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. So thank you very much to Easy Roller Dice for sponsoring this episode. And if yes. you'd like to support the show, support our sponsors. EasyRollerDice.com slash Giants. Yes. So they're, they're like literally like three three times as big as regular D20s. They're very cool. So like that, like that like big? Like that, yeah. It's like forty millimeters, so it's a lot. That's cool. Yeah, right. What did they, did Great they for say? throwing what did players. They say? Yeah, troublesome players. Hefty. So forty millimeter. Yeah, that's big. <laughs> Sorry, I taught conversions to my glasses. It so it's very exciting. 40, yeah. 48, 48 millimeters. Forty-eight millimeters. Yeah. Wow, that's very cool. I'm gonna see what that is in, in America. I, I was just gonna do that. that so please is, do. Okay, so like two and a half centimeters. There's a ten mil, ten millimeters in a centimeter. So like twenty-five millimeters is about an inch. So one point eight eight nine seven six inches. 
cool. Little under oh, two yeah. inches. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. Somewhere, yeah, in, somewhere in there. Yeah. Somewhere okay. in there. Cool. Whoa. It's funny because what is that in miles? It's almost two that, inches. Nothing. No, that's not in, no. two dot nine eight two six e minus five. That's I don't, I don't math. Oh no, you do math. That's ridiculous. So that that means you add <laughs> five zeros to the front of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> a is lot that of what it. you do? Yeah, a lot of it. I think. Uh, yeah, okay. it's a b- very it's a very part small part wow. of miles. So how about what about a light year? Okay, let's let's hold continue. on. No, I just want to check. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually really interesting when I do the the metric to imperial conversions. Right there. Yeah. 5.0736 e minus 18. How would we live without this knowledge? That's right. But in my class, uh, I have a large portion of my class, like nine of them have come from uh, uh, like Armenia and Russia and things like that. Mm -hmm. So there are a bunch of them are like they, they're more they're you what? have to teach them our back ass way right? of measuring shit <laughs> right <laughs> exactly like they they know us like, in Liberia yeah <laughs> <laughs> they know the metric system cold like they know all about that <laughs> they get very excited because like they they are the experts in that part it's very cool. right Aww. yeah that's cool so <laughs> it 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 is, the dice are truth be told of an astronomical scale yeah, they're great they're super great. <laughs> And they're pretty colors too. Minus eighteen. And they're minus beautiful. E minus eighteen. <laughs> so thank you, easyrollerdice.com. Yes. Slash giants. Do I have a I have Giants? Badass. Very good. Easyrollerdice.com. <laughs> All right. I have those from an old ad. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, character versus player knowledge from Andreas. <laughs> Oi! Well met, Traveler. Are you thirsty? Drink. Huzzah! <clears throat> so Stu once said he seldom plays, but when he does, he doesn't want to know stuff his character would not know. Then the reactions and actions would come naturally, which makes sense. This made me think about how often... Um, about the often-talked-about big reveal and secrets between players. Some background. I'll try not to be too long-winded. <coughs> Sorry, Canada. <laughs> in the in a forum in a forum post I read a long time ago about dogs in the vineyard. I remember how the GM had faced a dilemma about how to present the secret of the problem in the town the characters were approaching. For those who don't know, in dogs of the dogs in the vineyard is it vineyard or vineyards? I don't know. Vineyard. I think vineyard? it is vineyard. I'm not sure. I played it once. It's a fun game. You get to be a, a badass not Mormon. <laughs> kind of a like a Texas like a Utah Ranger Ooh, sort of interesting. <laughs> you go around and kick ass and show people the the true and one straight path oh lord oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> oh you, you, you play the heavies in that game oh, okay. oh yeah um, uh, for those who don't know Dogs in the Vineyard you, you're playing uh, wandering gunmen who are judge, priest, and executioner in one and also teenagers finding their place in a reactionary world of political, social, <laughs> and sexual repression a powder keg by design oh yeah, no I went to high school with a whole bunch of Mormons did you? <laughs> yeah there, there was a lot of Mormons when I was in Boy Scouts when we went to World Jamboree and the mm-hmm. National Jamboree oh yeah um, I, I would say third to half were, were Mormon because at that mm-hmm. point the Mormon church Sort of adopted scouting as its official youth program. Program, yeah. 
that has since changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> back to the game. But that was a very good description of being a teenager and being Mormon at the same time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was where that was, the sexual repression, political, social, yeah, accurate. The GM's first in- instinct was to stall and stoneface when the PC... <laughs> Shut up! When the PC first met a woman working the fields outside town and they asked her what was up in the town. Instead, he let her... St- Instead, he let her spill the beans and straight up told them who was cheating whom and who was acting against the rules of society. Naturally, this forced the players into action mm-hmm. as they could not deny the situation. Drama ensued. Mm-hmm. Another instance of this I remember uh, reading of in John Wick's game, Houses of the Bloodied. Blooded? Blooded. Blooded. Uh, where he writes Woo-hoo. about how he and a friend driving home from a LARP realized... Their well-crafted backstories with dark secrets had not come up at all in the game. They had been too good at keeping it secret. Mm. The next game, they let their secrets out first thing, and drama ensued. Again. Mm. Imagine now the situation of the players getting to know it all at once. Maybe the characters don't know. Maybe the characters don't. Could you use that as a player as a player to metagame and force situations you know will cause drama? Maybe even let the characters know at once. Would you break down? Would would it just break down the barrier between players and characters? Generate more drama. Imagine Stu's Traveler game. If the players or the characters at once would have gotten to know the secrets of those aliens that changed nature when many of them came together. Have any of you used something like this? Like the situation I wrote about above, or? What would you think of that kind of play? I would love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Also, drink. Yay. And that's from Andreas. Huzzah. And I will unmute Stork's mic. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Lost track of time. No worries. Yeah, you're here. I fell into one of those time warps where it was like, oh, yeah, I got plenty of time. What? It's what? What <laughs> time is it? All right. <clears throat> so I've made my opinion clear on this many times before. Does anyone else have thoughts on the, the idea of keeping shit secret and or... See, to me, it's a different kind of role-playing game style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, not that I would know what this is like, but this is what, but what, it, what he's describing to me sounds more like a writer's meeting for a TV show. Let's sit down and collaborate and come up with what the story is going to be for the next episode. Do you know it, what I'm saying? Yeah. It's interesting because... Different GMs here at Happy Jacks do this differently. Yes. And I've played in different games. Like, like you are very much like, okay, I want, like, let's keep secrets off of the table. Yes. Because yes. um, that's fun for reveals. Um, Jason, who's also an excellent GM, doesn't generally do that. Mm-hmm. Like, he He's has... A, like, uh, with regards to that, he is the polar opposite of me. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, but it's interesting because both your games work really well. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily feel like... I don't. I like. I don't necessarily get the feeling like it's a writer's room. Like I still have that feeling of improv, that in the momentness with his in the momentness. I guess is a thing. Right. Um, <laughs> is you know I still have that when I'm playing in his games. Like not necessarily less than I have in your games. So I don't know if it takes away from it. It's just like a different flavor. I, I don't well, know. What do you guys? Think? I I feel like I I think I prefer. When everything can be hashed out at the table, mm-hmm. um, and not that everybody is like throwing in opinions on mm-hmm. how you should play your character or what you should do, but like basically that secrets can be out there in the open for the players, mm-hmm. just not the characters. Um, because I think for me, it sometimes it's time saving. 
Mm -hmm. um, and it 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 allows for uh, a little more equality or equal participation with people who are playing with secrets where they don't necessarily have to keep it on the down low because they're afraid that they're going to have to pull a GM away from a table or they're constantly going to grab your attention because they're messaging you or that sort of thing. And I also, this is, I guess, my ultimate reason where I would maybe tip the scales that way, is I really enjoy seeing uh, the the layers. Like, I, I enjoy mm -hmm. being the player behind my character who's going oh shit mm -hmm. right. oh my god they're doing that that is so cool mm -hmm. because they shouldn't be doing that or they and I want to be able to appreciate those moments as a player because right. that's part of why I'm at the table mm -hmm. um, but I guess I, I I don't mind you know either way but those would be the the selling points for me on kind of going towards you know let it just be all at the table right uh, as a as a player and I think maybe as a GM one of the greatest things ever is when the players come to that epiphany Right, and, and one of the one of the reasons for keeping secrets is when the, all when the players finally put all the pieces together and they go, oh my god, and then you as a GM sit back and go, ah, yes, they got it, and the players right. like, oh my god, this is what's going on, and that's so cool. And I think you for won't everybody, get that the playing the other way. Yes and no. There's a there there is a certain <coughs> thing like like I can really think of um, of inspecting games. Right, where you just want you don't want to just keep dangling a bunch of carrots in front of them. You want to give them the information so they can continue on down the road and, and get to the mm -hmm. information. Get to the that conflicts they need. or whatever. If you right. keep if you get too many secrets, it just gets frustrating for sure. everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there is a balance to yeah. to how much you reveal and how much you don't reveal, so that they still get an epiphany, but they're not completely stonewalled and frustrated. You know right. what I'm saying? Now is now we're, we're right. we, we tend to be focusing on like from the GM point but, of view. Right. I think uh, a big. Part of this is also how much the players share with each other. Mm -hmm. um, I see. I, I tend to be like I like the GM stuff to be secret, like so the plot kind of like. Yeah. But oh, then like sure. the character stuff, I'm less yeah. worried about being secret. Yeah. Because if like if me as a player know that you're, you know, like you haven't said oh where you're from in like in character, like yeah. I, I trust people at the table enough to know not be like oh I knew you were from. That little village. It's yeah. like no, I never said that. Like right. so, as long as like you're not having like those moments, those like gotcha moments where suddenly someone's like, "Are you psychic? How did you know that?" Um, so I don't mind the GM keeping secrets so much. Um, and yeah, I don't really. I like doing that as a player too. I know he described like you know that they'd worked so hard at keeping their backstory secret, but is that a, a bad thing? Like it, it, I don't know. I don't yeah. think that that's See, a bad thing. The I'm like I, I, I very rarely play. I prefer to n only know what my character knows. Mm -hmm. It's none of my business what, what what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. if my character doesn't know it. That's the way I, that I want to live in that moment. That, That's what all that good actors box. do too. Mm -hmm. All good I actors are in the character moment. blinders. Yeah, yeah, but the but the actors also know how the story ends. Yeah, not they, always. Not always. Well, no. Always. If you're Tom Hiddleston and they tell you that it's <laughs> a wedding, Kid Harrington, and you're yeah. reading. <laughs> But, Never mind. Yeah. But but the the thing that, like for instance, when the, the demigods game that you ran, mm -hmm. and I played, what was it, Buford or whatever yeah, his name was, the, he the was like, warrior. He was the hick god of war, god of war scion. Yeah, he was amazing. <laughs> and he was pig farmer. Yeah. And and I had decided like right off the bat, mm -hmm. as I'm making the character, my I have a steed, mm -hmm. and his name is Delmont, and he's a giant pig. Yeah. And I call him by screaming "Sui." Yeah, you did. All and those I figured things. all that out at first. 
I didn't reveal that until it was time to call my steed. <laughs> and then I did it, and everyone at the table fucking lost their shit. Yes. I wouldn't have had that moment if I said, oh, I'm going to have a steed, and it's going to be a pig called Delmont. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to say Sui to call him. It'll be really funny. I'm about to tell you a joke. You want to know what the punchline is first? That's what it reminds me but of. But wait. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Didn't we do character creation on screen for that game? We did, but I kept all that oh, shit secret. Okay. I, I said I have a steed. Okay. I told you I had a steed. That's all okay. I said. I was going to say, I don't necessarily advocate for, like, okay, I'm going to read you my bullet-pointed page-and-a-half yeah. backstory. Right. It, because I'm also... Uh, kind of an advocate of not trying through through trial and error of not playing before you play, right. like trying to let some of that stuff come out, you know, when you are playing and try to discover more about your character when you're playing and not mm-hmm. have it all fleshed out. So I don't necessarily mean that like we're doing character creation and in session one or pre-game where you know somebody's saying, oh, and I totally do this because X Y Z. I just mean as things come up, they're either revealed. Or if there's something you need to do that would normally be like, okay, the other three characters are going shopping, mm-hmm. and I want to go do a different thing. That I want to, I'd rather play that out at the table, right. and everybody else can, you know, be there and witness that. They're not, their players are not witnessing that. No, so I've been reading through Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition. Mm-hmm. The sanity mechanic. If you if you fail a sanity roll, you have what's called a bout of madness, and then depending on how much sanity points you lost, you either have temporary, indefinite, or permanent insanity after that. But during that bout of madness, if your character is alone, you fast forward to when the party finds the character, because the character doesn't remember what happened during the bout of madness. Oh. So let's say we're playing, and Kimmy's character yeah. fails a sanity roll, and I'm like, okay... And then we're going to go to the party. Okay, uh, so you guys are wandering through the house, and you hear the scream suddenly. Oh, we're going to run upstairs and see what's going on. Okay, you run up there, and you see Kimmy's character, and she's holding a knife, and there's blood on the floor, and it's not hers, and there's footprints leading to the out the window. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's that's all you know. Oh, you and the players have to piece together. So you, rather than having a sidebar with the character, you don't need to have a sidebar because yeah. none of them know what happened. Yeah. Right. And they have to sort of piece it That's together cool. afterward, which I think is a really cool idea for a mechanic, especially for that game. Yeah. But and I think that's new. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's very cool. Um, I don't know. Like, okay, so I know we've talked about Downton Abbey, like, ridiculous amounts right. of the show. But, um, like, I'm rewatching it like, again. And, like, I still enjoy it just as much. Oh, sure. So I'm wondering, like, and because I'm thinking back to, to Jason's games, where we all kind of know a lot of the stuff with each other. We don't know everything. Like, he's good about what, you know, like, there are surprises. But I feel like it's almost like rewatching something that you you've watched before. Like we all know who's going to die, who's going to marry who. Oh, are they going to kiss right now? Yes, but you still like feel that anticipation a little bit. It's not the same experience though, because like it? right now I'm binge watching Saint Elsewhere, which mm-hmm. I watched when I was in college, okay. almost the whole goddamn series. I know when Mark Harmon's character develops mm-hmm. HIV. Mm-hmm. I know when so and so's character goes to prison and Spoilers. gets assaulted. And I know when <laughs> like everything that happens. I know how it happens. I know how the show ends. Mm-hmm. Everything along. I'm still watching it. I'm enjoying the story, but it's not with the same sort of rapt attention it was when I was watching it. Because back then, of course, we didn't even have a VCR. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I had to stay up every Wednesday night till eleven o'clock at night, sure, because it came on at ten, and I every night I but, would sit and watch it, right. and I never missed an episode. 
Because I was like, oh my god, what you're enjoying is different on a different level. I think it is. I think I don't think it's the same. It's not scratching the same itch. I don't think. Maybe, but But it doesn't mean it's bad. No, 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 no. And knowing things about characters doesn't necessarily mean you'll know how they resolve. Is the interesting part, right? Because like, okay, we know that. Uh, Mary and Matthew. Oh, they got the hots for each other. Oh, oh no, they keep missing. Oh no, they're not going to get together. Oh no, oh now he's engaged to somebody else. So like, like in character creation or something like that, if you know like X character has a crush on that character, like which you might not in a clo- like kind of a closed backstory game, like it almost like can sometimes assist with that because you like suddenly you know that they've got the hots for that person, and that can like set up the scene where everyone's like, oh, oh, they're alone. What's going to happen? Oh, nothing. Nothing happened. Why did nothing happen? Like, right. so the, I don't know. I feel like sometimes seeding in specific information can help build that tension and build right. like the interest in the thing. If you th- know so and so hates that person, I think oh, so they're too. they're sne- they're going off in the woods together, and so and so's carrying a knife. I wonder but, what they're doing. Yeah, that would also cause players to orchestrate situations where the, that those those dramatic moments would come to a head rather than them happening naturally, and that's I think is more of a. A matter of taste, possibly, and what you what what sort of thing you want to do? Because I mean, and that is, it is a it's a kind of metagaming. Like oh, if, it is. If I know that this character and this character and are yeah. are sweet on each other, but they haven't said anything to each other, and uh, let's let's conspire to try to get them to do that, even though our characters wouldn't know that, but we create a situation where it does. I mean, that's, I'm not saying that that's that that's bad metagaming, mm-hmm. but it is metagaming, and at some point. I guess it's why you're playing. Because mm-hmm. I think for GMs, for me, I like creating stuff. Mm-hmm. I like coming up with NPCs. I like making places and societies and stuff like that. I love doing that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So, that's, so when you have games that say, okay, we're going to build a city. No, everyone is going to... It's like, well, that's one of the fun things I like to do. That's why I GM. That's I'm sorry. Why I, I think Decima does a great I, job of doing that. <laughs> sure. But I like... But shameless, like, same, shameless plug. Sorry. But that's... I mean, that's one of the things I like to yeah, do. And, it, and if that gets... That suddenly that's farmed out. It's like, oh, well, why it's, am I GMing I again? I don't know that it gets farmed <laughs> out, but I do... You, you just it's brought up something that, that I think is part of the fun, though, with the collaborative storytelling is that we're not... I enjoy the fact that we're not just doing a, you know a teleplay out here. <laughs> I I want to be able to uh, step on the gas and lift my foot up every once sure. in a while to push those moments. And it doesn't mean that you're doing it all the time because you're you're not you know you're do, at, being the GM. Complaints go to happyjacksrpg at gmail <laughs> You know what it really is? It's players. Who like kind of like GMing, but are too lazy to actually commit to GMing? No oh. way! Boom! Boom. <laughs> or people who like my game Decima and they're awesome. Yeah. Ew. It's Dirty. not. Yeah. I don't know any player that's just running. Wow. Yeah. There are there are GMs who play, and sometimes they tend to take control of a situation. But I, yeah, I think that's. It's that's, accurate. That's, we've talk, yeah, we've talked about GMs. Of course, I'm making a blanket statement, but I <laughs> yeah. think it's accurate. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Because I mean, and and the thing is, and all so like, my I'm, we're getting far afield from my point. Mm. GMs have different things they like to do because yeah. there's yeah. different. Some GMs really live for the moment at the table mm. when you know you're you're improvising and stuff like that. You know what I call in in traditional games where you actually prep something in the beginning mm-hmm. that alone is a GM. Mm-hmm. What I would call sort of the mid game, mm-hmm. which is. The players kind of know what's going on. They figure they've unraveled the secrets. Now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, how they're going to react to what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff where you can't really prep for it because you don't know what the players are going to do right. yet. So, and that's that's like one sort of 
part of GMing that mm-hmm. people will either enjoy or not enjoy. Mm-hmm. The game prep, the coming up, the creative part of coming up with mm-hmm. stuff uh, not on the fly, mm-hmm. I think is another. Then there's also coming up with stuff on the fly. Which, yeah. And those are like three different skill sets. Yeah. And there are GMs who like some of those and mm-hmm. don't like other ones. And that's why there's a whole bunch of different games. Yeah. And I think for players, it's the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are players who want to be their character and want to experience yes. what their character is experiencing. Mm-hmm. And if you want that, having, sitting down and saying, okay, what's the city look like? And I'm as a player, I'm like, well, why didn't you fucking do that? You're the GM. That's your job. <laughs> right. Why am I doing your job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the, you see what I'm, you know what yeah, I'm saying? The, the cool thing about that, though, and I experience, have experienced this with my Wild Talents game right now, um, because... Like, they've lived in this place for a long time. Uh-huh. So they, when they built the city with me, it was kind of like they gave me the ingredients to make a cake. Right. Like, they brought the flour and the eggs and all these things, and they put it down on the map. But when we jumped into that first session, there it almost felt more like they were their characters because they knew the town as well as they would if they'd lived yeah. there. Right. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I've lived here for four years. What's this building here? Like, it's like, that's yeah. a schoolhouse where your girlfriend lives. Like, yeah. right. you know, that sort of thing. So they, I think that can be used to great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, because I love coming up with backs, like like a lot of the world. The world building is something that I really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a game about world building because right. I really love doing it. Right. But, I love uh, like, go to the But, um, like, I feel like you can have players do parts of that and then use it as a shell or sure. something like that. And But I, I think... Going back to like playing characters, like it really it added this level of realism, which for for a, se- a session or two I'd never had that in a game before. So right. it took me a little bit of getting used to because they were ready to jump into that story. There was no like let's wander around town and get mm-hmm. to know our surroundings because like they knew it, like they sure. lived there. So it all it it was a different experience jamming, but I help I think it helped them in many ways figure out their characters more deeply, like more and more quickly, right. And that's also a game where you're, is the the game is pretty much correct me if I'm sort of confined to that town. Yes. Right. So if they decide to get on a stagecoach and go to the next town over that none of them have ever been to. Yes. Well, they they made that? up the other town, but I would come up with that at okay. that point. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like again, like the it, you can you like you can have the players collaboratively help you build a place. And that can help with their characters, and it kind of gives them roots. That, and then you have to kind of design the rest of the world around that, what they've come up with. The only problem with that example is that is where character knowledge and player knowledge are the same. Mm-hmm. It's not that situation where character knowledge and player knowledge are entirely different. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, to me, I, it's none of my business unless I can figure out what's going on. That's that the, and that's, that's mm-hmm. the way I enjoy playing. Mm-hmm. First time I played... It, it's like if I'm. It's it's like we're playing Tomb of Horrors. I'm gonna give everyone the map before we start. Mm-hmm. Here you go. This is what's well, in each room. I don't room. think. I don't think that's the same. <laughs> I I think it is. I well, it can be. It can be. It depends. It depends how much information is. And it depends on the type of game is too. presented. In yeah, the and I and I think um, secrets about characters are different than GM secrets, like Kimmy was saying earlier. So mm-hmm. if I, as a player, know that Kimmy's playing this character who's really grieving um, the loss of somebody in her immediate family, but she's not talking about it, like. That's not the same as me knowing what you know who's the big bad in the town that you have planned or right you know mm-hmm. so it's not the same thing I don't think. Also, like if you're, it, it totally depends on like what kind of game you're playing. Like if people yeah. if people are building a town they've lived in in like a Wild West game, that's different than them building it like a house in a horror game where they've never been there. Like 
that's BS. Like they shouldn't be they shouldn't be building the dungeon. They shouldn't be building the house that they're exploring for the first time. Like you shouldn't like let that be part of your collaborative creation. Um, that's part of that's on the GM because that need, there needs to be that feeling of alienness and like that's I think that's another place where player versus GM knowledge needs a line. I, I think you're right yes. on that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And. Like in a horror game, it's going to be very different than. Like, it doesn't even have necessarily have to be a horror game. It can be any. It, it, no. it, it just has to do with the preference of the player sitting at the yeah. table. Yeah. And there are some people who, who, for me, it would be difficult to feel immersed in the story if I know too much. Interesting. You, you know, know what I mean? That's one of the things I had with 4E. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily player secrets, like you know, backstory stuff. It was all the power sets. There were people at the table mm-hmm. that knew. Everybody's power sets and knew what they could do, and so when you're going to combat, somebody somebody's telling you what you should, do, what power you should use at what time to optimize the combat. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, this is completely taking me out of the. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. annoying. That's just, in that's just every annoying. game. But, yeah. that, but that game specifically <laughs> really, really went into that, as opposed to playing something like GURPS or something where you guys all show up and you have no idea how your how this other person character is built, mm-hmm. right. let alone their power set or how mm-hmm. many points they have in something. Yeah. And it's this other added discovery when they start doing stuff. You're like, oh my god, you can punch through walls. <laughs> wow. Right. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. can work on tactics. It's, it, it, you, I can still play 4E, but I have more fun. And maybe it takes a longer game, too, while you're still discovering your characters with each other as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So to say, to say that one is better than the other isn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It is it is it's just different. And maybe sometimes Preference. it does make a shortcut. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does. It, it is awfully easier instead of spending four or five games getting to know all the characters. Like, you all meet in, you all meet in, and you all ever know everybody, yeah. and you know mm-hmm. everybody's power set, so let's go. Which mm-hmm. I do on my one-shots. <laughs> <laughs> everybody go, yeah. I think it also... Um, like, you have to kind of re- like Stu. You are an incredibly smart person. You like figuring things out. Okay, okay. You. You're right. pretending to be but <laughs> yeah. Um, but you like figuring things out in real life. You part of that is like learning new things, doing these. Yeah, like this is very much a part of who you are as a person. Having a lot of stupid hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's stupid because I'm also that way. <laughs> Um, but I think like there's a bit of that like like we're just saying it's preference like you have to kind of see that preference for your life right. reflected in how you're playing these games. Yeah. Yes. Removing a lot of the secrets can streamline a game, can streamline a, a storyline for sure up to a point. You know, you, you literally now they're not spending an entire session trying to get yeah. to know each other. They already know each other, so they're moving on with the plot. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's just an example. So. Like I said, there, there can be a balance between mm-hmm. the two. You don't have to mm-hmm. let everything out of the bag the first game or the mm-hmm. second oh, game. Oh, for sure. But I think sometimes it's okay to, to like, you guys are missing this and this and this, and okay, cool, now you got you just give it to them, and then we yeah. can right. move on. Or even some of the characters, you know, backstories. After a while, it gets mined, and you can move on. You're, you're no longer having to worry about the guys carrying a cursed verbal sword mm-hmm. and, and where it came from. Or, yeah. Right. True. But, uh, Master Vitter in the chat room says, it's like the difference between a city you've lived in for years and a city you arrived in last night. You know, sure. uh, so I totally agree, and it's like that with mm-hmm. the players. If these are players who grew up together in you know a vault after the apocalypse, and they've been in like a you know like two acre space their entire lives, they're going to know so much about each other. Oh sure. Absolutely. Versus like like what you Stork said, you meet in a tavern. Oh what oh what beer are you drinking? Like you don't know anything about each other. So I think a lot of that metagame versus or, or player knowledge versus character knowledge also depends on how you've designed your game to to be. Yeah. Even what system you're playing in. Yeah, that too. And whether you've done character gen together. Yes. 
All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. That's that's nice, like ending. Andreas. Well done. Andreas. Andreas. Yeah. Thank Andreas. you, Andreas, for the email. Very GM nice. confession from Christopher. Cool. I'm going to add to the soundboard for this okay. because I'm going to take it from what's it called? The Quiet Hours. Mm-hmm. The Quiet Hour. The the movie uh, the movie that's based on um, uh, the Decameron. Mm-hmm. Because there's a scene. Wow, what's that guy's name? John Ry- John C. Riley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, he plays the priest, mm-hmm. and the guy comes to confess. And he's like, mm, yeah, that would, that's sodomy. Mm-hmm. Well, what about if you did this and that? That is also sodomy. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the, that sodomy? That's a lot of sodomy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take clips from the from that and put it in there, but I didn't have a chance. Mm. <laughs> I mean, if you have consent, then okay. See, okay. And you spoil the secret. <laughs> Have now, s- now it's not going to be now. Yeah. Kind of game like that's we not going to happen anymore. We don't get that. We don't get that many GM confessions. <laughs> but when we do, yeah. I'll have that ready. Okay. It'll be fu- it'll be great. It'll Sorry. be funny. Be, just, will it yeah. be funny? So I'm going to tell you a joke, and the punchline is check one two, check one two. <laughs> I know a Polish sound engineer and a check one two. Uh huh. Do you hear about uh, the guy that went up a pole and came down a Russian? Uh, Heyo. <laughs> What's the punchline for that one? That was it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Hello, douche hooks and douche banners. Nice. <clears throat> I think it's a time to have a G it's a good time to have a GM confession. Confessioni. Yes. Fortunately, <laughs> I am utterly flawless as a GM and never ever make mistakes that require confession or indeed any type of atonement. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am also incredibly humble. Way more humble than anyone. However, since that's not true. I don't have. To, I didn't have to reach back very far for a confession. This lack, last weekend at Strategicon, as a matter of fact, we were playing Jaws using the great American novel. Talked about it at the last time oh, yeah, show. Yeah. If you want more details, <coughs> go check it out. It's cool. Um, as part of the game, you put down themes you don't want in the game using a lines and fa- veils methodology. The idea is you write down things you absolutely want in the you absolutely don't want in the game lines. This could be content that is triggering to you or simply a tone you don't want. And then you also write down veils, which are things that you can have in the game, but that we don't need to play out in detail. So, like, overt sexual content, gratuitous violence, etc. Well, one of those lines in our game was racism, which is good. I mean, we're playing Jaws, not to kill a mockingbird. Well, we were long into the game, and I was playing a quintessential asshole sheriff NPC, a character type that comes up a lot, an awful lot in great American <laughs> novel games for some reason. And he did something racist. Not like a slur or anything, but that bullshit thing asshole characters do when they overtly and intentionally mispronounce a Spanish name or word. <clears throat> I immediately called it an X card to myself and moved on. While I'm glad I did catch it, I began wondering how many times I didn't. As an important thing to think about, safety tools are useless if you don't actually pay attention to them. In gameplay. Further, it made me think about the depth for my NPC development. Isn't it a cheap and shallow trick to earn ire for a character simply by dipping into racism? Why is that a necessary tool? What other tools can I use to make someone villainous that doesn't, A, violate the lines and veils set forth at the table, or that, B, cheapens the depth of the character? I think I learned to play, pay more attention to my improvisation, to actively remember what it was framed by at the table, and to avoid dipping into easy tricks to, for a heavy-handed or to have it heavy-handedly create a two-dimensional villain. Apart from that, the game was fun. The shark came out at the end. The ship captain blew him up, but it was with dynamite. So our version is better. <laughs> Christopher Gray. P.S. With the right safety tools and total alignment at the table, I do think RPGs can play out difficult themes like racism, but a shark hunt movie isn't the right place for it. 
PPS. Drink. <clears throat> Huzzah. That's brave. That's brave to like yes. card yourself. I never would have even thought of that. <laughs> I would have thought right. that that's kind of like on the players. If I if I cross a line with my southern sheriff, and all I can think of mm-hmm. is the southern sheriff from say um, Live and Let Die, Smokey and the Bandit. Well, Live right. and Let Die really was where <laughs> like all of Smokey and the Bandit, and like just all of yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I could see the players going, "No, man," and then I'd have to reevaluate my sheriff. But I can't. It's easy <coughs> to go, "Yeah, my sheriff was over the over the edge." Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I, mean, I don't, I'm not sure what his question is here. Is that an observation? Like, no, it's like, like how to, how to not yeah. make. Oh, yeah. It's. I, I also give him high props for like now that has spurred him to make <coughs> to make more complicated villains. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I was going to say. I think if he had any question or commentary, it was that what are some things that you would do to make something not a two dimensional right. sort of well, villain. I disagree with the fact that he says that having the villain be racist was a cheap trick. Mm-hmm. If it was a line that was put forth in the beginning of the game, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But if the if the players are okay with it, I don't think having someone have a major flaw like that is a necessarily a cheap trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't either. I don't. I don't see it as. It's, as it's that. a shortcut. I wouldn't say it's a cheap trick. What if they're a sociopath? Is that a yeah. shortcut too? I mean, think of any flaw a villain's going to have. It's mm-hmm. a shortcut. There could be depth depth of story behind that. There could be a whole backstory why this particular sheriff is a racist. Right. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It, it may be a bullshit reason, or it may be like, wow, that guy really went through some shit. Who knows? But a, a, race, a racist character doesn't necessarily have to be a character without depth. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just don't. I just disagree with that premise. Or, or even calling something a cheap, a cheap tool to, to use. I mean, I I see what he's trying to say, maybe what he's trying to do, but. Villains are villains. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 not they're broken people, and they make bad decisions and but have broken points of view. And I think it's okay to to exploit that. I I think though that his point was, and that's why I said maybe it's a shortcut. It, it doesn't mean that it's bad being somebody who's a total chauvin. Did I tell you I got werewolves? <laughs> yeah, no, I heard that before, and I was like, are those police? Sirens? Somewhere, like, oh. somewhere there is a fire truck going by. And they, they, they've started being triggered by it. I thought they, maybe Matt came to visit. Oh. They, won't, they won't stop. So, <laughs> Is Joe Manliello out there? Oh. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> but yeah, they both howl now. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just meant that there are certain things you can go to as a go-to that will immediately, in, in a modern sensibility or, or in a certain time and place, make someone <coughs> be not as nice person. Where I remember watching, and I'm not going to remember detail details, but Capricorn 1, mm-hmm. and getting to the end of the movie before I was like, fuck you, Hal Holbrook. Because, <coughs> like, you don't know, like... Who's the villain and who's the in some things? So right. like sometimes it is more nuanced and it comes out, you know, through backstory or through other scenes or through play or that sort of thing. Right. Where there are things you can go to right away that are like if you're a character that <coughs> kicks animals and yeah, but, I mean if you want, I'm, I but I don't see it as a cheap trick if you come up with some sort of attribute. Oh, I, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't think I would use racism. But let's say yeah. likes kicking puppies. Yeah. Oh, I don't think That's it's boring. cheap. You, you have yeah. some guy go out and says, "Oh, I love kicking puppies," and everyone at the table is going to go, "I fucking hate that guy." You know, the, I don't even know his yeah. name yet, but I fucking hate. The better him. word is shorthand, not shortcut. Like, because it, it's yeah. Well, it's it, it. It's. It telegraphs. It telegraphs. This mm-hmm. is the bad guy. Right. Yeah. It's a tell. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's cheap storytelling or two dimensional. So. To your point, I mean, yeah. and the thing is, is like he's talking about a con game specifically, where yeah. he's got a four hour block. 
right. to get through this whole story. Yeah. Like, I might say, <coughs> like, things like kicking puppies and things like that are cheap tricks for, if you're doing a campaign, yeah. like, you've got a little bit more time to, like, set up a little bit more depth. In a four-hour game, you do have to kind of use mm-hmm. those tells to, like, telegraph the players, this is, you know... The, the bad guy, or one of he's, the bad guys. He's kind of an asshole. It is always yeah. fun yeah. to play around with those tropes, because that's what it yeah. is. It's a trope kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A stereotype or a trope. Mm-hmm. I mean, look Good at point. Harry Potter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks Snape is a villain, because he does some villainous things, and, he, and he's named Snape, and he dresses in black, and he does the dark arts, and everything about him telegraphs villain. But was he? No. Mm-hmm. So it's but he was a dick. Yeah, but, that, <laughs> but that's a, so are a lot of heroes. Right. <laughs> you know? Paladins are dicks. <laughs> self-righteous they, dicks. Yes, sometimes they are, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is fun to play around with those tropes. And, and you could, Snape very easily could have been a villain uh, in the hands of maybe a lesser writer or somebody mm-hmm. that didn't have a, a clearer vision. Mm-hmm. It's it is, you know, it's also fun sometimes to have the person that you're telegraphing as a villain not actually be a villain mm-hmm. in yeah. your games. But that does take more work sometimes than maybe is even worth it. Mm-hmm. What if your players now kill your Snape villain and I got a bunch of plots hinged <laughs> on them. Going back to our first discussion, that's where the improv part of GMing comes right. in. Yeah. When they inevitably either leave the villain alone and totally ignore them for the entire time or like kill them in the second thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to, because it feels like we're kind of wrapping up this topic, mm-hmm. I do want to go up, go back and just reiterate again. And Chris Gray said it in his email, but like if something's been put down as a line though, yeah. you definitely shouldn't go there. No. Like it's Absolutely. really important. Absolutely. So while some of these yep. shortcuts and stuff may be like usable tools, you need to make sure that everyone at the table is okay with it before you use them. Especially the His kids. sin of portraying racism is a very minor sin, however. There are millions of people that pronounce Amarillo, Texas Amarillo. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I but mean. I, I, Mispronouncing a Spanish name for someone who is either not from Southern mm-hmm. California <laughs> or or a native speaker—that is not. I mean, there are a lot. Yes. There could be a lot, lot bigger sins. Than but that. him doing it with the intent of coming yes. off as racist, yes, yeah. isn't like people who pronounce things wrong with just because they read it wrong and they don't know this this you know pronunciation conventions of another language. I wouldn't necessarily off the bat say that that's racist, right. especially as someone who has kids from like. Eight different countries in my class, so I end up mispronouncing names the first sure. day like very badly. Um, but him, oh, he doesn't say overtly and intently yeah. mispronounces his Spanish. Yeah, okay. especially because he's right. as a GM. So that's like most most people in England when they're speaking French, <laughs> when they're trying to be dicks. Yeah, and they, I, I, I'm convinced because because on a, a lot of especially cooking shows, sometimes you, people people will will pronounce the, the in English shows they'll pronounce French words. As if it was in English. Yeah, they do that. Beef bourguignon. I think that goes all the way back to the Battle of well, the Court. I, yeah, Jones, 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 I, I, would, I would say it probably predates. I have a record. Of, yes, there's, there's a lot of yeah. please out there saying that the French are the nas- natural enemy of the English. <laughs> so, who am I to argue with John? That's very good. But it was very cool I, that Chris used the X card, yeah. too. And I think that's good because I think it normalizes it. Because yes. I think... That's the yeah. big. That's my biggest um, kind of hesi- not hesitation, but like criticism of the X card is it takes a while for it, it to be normalized in a group for people to be brave enough to actually use it. And right. if you as the GM like yep. start that off saying, "Oh, I screwed up," 
Sorry yeah. about that. Oh, uh, what was the game everyone was ranting and raving about at uh, February Con? Uh, for the Queen. Yeah, for the Queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the Queen. That's one of the things you use the X card for. Is is for tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more things you use it for, the the more normalized it's going to be, and yeah. the more likely people will use. it. And if you don't like the card you got, you can X out your card and get a different card. That's weird. So, See if you use the X card the whole time. All right, you guys you had a very pleasant day, and nothing bad happened at the end of the game. Here you go. Everybody no. carted out. No, all no, 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 it's not just that. I because I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. it's part of it is the the mechanics of the mm-hmm. game have you use it in slightly different ways also, so mm-hmm. it normalizes it. I, yeah. And I, I totally get it, because yeah. you and I have talked about the problem with the X-Card, is that you're immediately telegraphing something that's personal to you, mm-hmm. and no matter what, you can't unsee or unhear the fact that you've just X-Carded the fact that somebody kicking puppies really bothers you. Right. right. And now everybody goes, oh, wow, Stark really is hung up on kicking puppies. See, wow, wow. Wonder what See, I don't know if that's, I think we assume but, that yeah. in our own heads, but, and yeah, that's why, like, if you can use it, because, oh, I already answered this question, or, you know what, this is, we're yeah. all joking, but this is, we wanted, we said we were going to do a serious game. Right. Or, mm-hmm. like, hey, someone's, like, off topic, can you, like, get back on, at the game? Like, there's a lot of different uses for the X card, mm-hmm. and that way... Or, the thief has had nine sidebars this session. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's, so the morning right here. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> but uh, so, so the, I, I think that normalizes it because then if people yeah. are tapping it all the time, it's not yeah. like a once in a while occurrence that suddenly draws it's, more attention. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That, so yep, it's like the, the iocane powder inoculation. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's a terrible way to say it. But whatever. I thought it was funny. No, it was good. I built up a, a lifetime of, of immunity <laughs> to the X card. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't know that we're going for. I eat little scraps of X card every day for three years until I have immunity. <laughs> and now when everybody hits it, it just doesn't bother me. I don't even notice. All right, oh, I, the I, I'm so immune to the X card. I just keep going anyway. <laughs> they keep hitting it. I just keep going. That's I not good. That's not what we want. That, no, that's no. That's completely opposite of what was. Anyway, next email. How to unwind from Chris in Scotland. Scotland. Want to share it? Oh, can you do a Scottish accent? Yeah. Because I can't. Every time I do that, though, you guys make, make me stop because no one can understand the email. That's okay. I like it's it. It's still funny. I will have subtitles. Even if we stop you, it's funny. Greetings, yeah. most wise and musical ones. You have to sound like Gimli, right? It's good. Oh. You kind of sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Get to the chopper. Greetings. No. So, go ahead and read it. It's fine. Uh, uh, let's, yeah. yeah, go for it. No, it's fine. Go ahead and read it. No, really. I'm just I play, just I play a periodic Monster Hearts game. game. <laughs> Good. It can get pretty intense. Our sessions are exciting, dramatic, and demanding. But for <coughs> me, that's not the problem. Uh, the problem comes after the game. I get so hooked on that intensity that the game seems to occupy most of my thoughts uh, for maybe a week after each session. Uh, this can be quite a problem when I'm meant to be concentrating on my work or on what my true love happens to be saying to me, and instead I'm plotting my moves for the next gaming session and cackling to myself of the, at the dramatic thrills. Uh, do you have any advice on how to get through the difficult first week after a wonderful, intense game session? How to wind down and chill out? Thank you. Also, Slancha. But, uh, or it, it depends on the dialect, because slancha, slancha, I don't know what mahas. Are you, are you mahas. deliberately uh, mispronouncing your, uh, <laughs> no, your Scottish uh, no. just to be a racist? No, because even in, in <laughs> Ireland, like, it's depending regionally, it's pronounced differently. But he's from Scotland. Yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced in Scotland, I'm sorry. And is it mahath? Is it mahath? I have no idea. Mahath. 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 We'll have to look at it. Good up. health. Yes. Cheers. Myth. 
Chris in Scotland, which I'm super excited because so I didn't too. know we had a Scotland. Scottish. Scottish. The only thing I know how to say is hmm. space girdles. Oh man, this is a good this is a good topic. It is. Uh, <clears throat> is don't play Monster Hearts. Next question. No. No. <laughs> this doesn't just happen with Monster Hearts. Group, this group <laughs> therapy for amateurs. No. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what I it was, is. I was gonna just say, doesn't like Monster Hearts. Well, but I, I was going to say this is not this is not unique. I think no. a lot of people that play Monster Hearts has have this problem because mm-hmm. it is very intense. Yes. And it's uh, not necessarily a okay a yeah. problem because he's saying like wonderfully intense and da da da. So right. Problem implies. But then he's having well. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about he's it, he's having oh, yeah. trouble with the rest of his life because he keeps thinking about the game. Because it's so awesome. Okay, but I've done this with games that are, and I've never yes. played Monster Hearts. Right. Like I, sometimes when we got super into Vampire, like oh, sure. I would be super in. Like, <clears throat> okay, what is Adrian going to do this week to fuck everything over? Like how? Am I, right. Especially actually, once I started playing my um, Sabat character. Right. Um, not my Sabat. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, Sedai. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. Um, like I was like, what can I do to screw everything up? Like I would like get stuck in these daydreams of like plotting. Oh sure. Um, so I don't I don't think this is necessarily. I think I think this is something that happens with a lot of games, especially if you're like hyper focused on one game at a time. Um, I think one of the things that's really helpful with this is for the GM to kind of lead us a, a, just a check in or a debrief at the end of each game. Um, to let people like geek out for a few minutes on moments. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I know you you've done that before, Gina. For sure. Yeah. And I th- I was thinking about the time when you guys were. What was the game? Was it the um, Cortex Prime game? Oh yeah. Where we were like, why is what's going on somewhere on Slack that we are not <laughs> that that like because it was losing messages so fast because when you would get to ten thousand. <laughs> but I do think that that that's a really rec- good recommendation is oh. just that debrief after where mm-hmm. everybody can kind of just like. I don't know, get off on, oh my God, I can't believe that happened in that mm-hmm. game and how exciting that was. And when you did that thing, I didn't even, you know, yeah. like, so you can geek out with the appropriate people because it might not be healthy for the rest of your life to be wanting to geek out about that mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Like 24 7 at work or right. with Or when your, your spouse is talking that, to you. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> um, Pooja just asked this like a month ago mm-hmm. in the Slack about yeah. does anybody else have trouble, like, calming down after a game because you get so into it and you're right. excited. Um, I would also say that that like that's when kind of the lonely fun can be like if you focus that energy into journaling or doing like some of the stuff I think you guys were kind of doing play by posty sort of things between your game. Yeah. That didn't necessarily influence the game, yeah. but it was a way to kind of expend that energy. Do you want to talk about that more cuz I don't really know exactly. Yeah. I just know. No, and it's happened for a for a couple different games. Like there were some games where we did like like journals. We did that for um oh, yeah. the the Dead Rain game mm-hmm. and D&D. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. the characters all kept Kind of a, a round robin uh uh, no, we recap? remember. No, remember we had the. Oh, the that's, right. Yeah. that's right. That's right. Where we literally wrote like diary entries right. for our characters, yeah. and Stu could see them all, but like we couldn't see each other's. And then we got to all see them at the end and kind of read right. through them, which was really fun. Um, we've also had um, like for the the Cortex Prime game, um, the that one we ended up like a lot of us just writing like basically fan fiction for our own <laughs> game. Right. Like where and most of it was backstory stuff. Like we wrote. Like as we got to know the characters more, we started writing more about like our, our what happened in history, and rather than just like writing out a summary of it, like we actually wrote scenes from like our past, and like 
Um, Jim wrote one about him um, and his and his family, and Abria wrote one, and Mike. We, like we all wrote <coughs> these different stories, and then posted them on the forum and shared them. But we, when you have that creative energy, like. Putting it out that way, I wrote a song. <laughs> Made Stu record oh, my yeah. stupid song. Right. No, <laughs> what, what do you think about having a, a, a rule that all game stuff has to happen at the table, and all conversations about the game have to happen at the table? I don't think <clears> that <throat> I don't think that's necessary. I think I don't, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever followed that for any game I've ever played. Okay. Um, I mean, it's stuff that was. I think no, if, I if you're trying to that. if you're trying to affect because obviously those things were going to affect relationships, but you weren't like saying I went and did all this research on whatever mm-hmm. the thing was that was going to happen in the next game, but yeah. it was like happened off camera. Yeah, like I think it's fair to say that that kind of stuff, unless everybody's participating or unless somebody said, "Hey, can we have a and you know." Aside from the table, sort of back and forth about this thing that we want to do some research on, but by the next session, mm-hmm. that that'd right. be okay. But otherwise, I feel like if it's just character relationships and yeah. backstory, I mean, you gotta keep and the GM kind of in the loop. Yeah, like if like if you and someone else start writing these like in depth like c- character connections between you, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have to. If it's if it's strictly between PCs, I don't know if you need to let the GM. Know I mean, if either. they want to, I mean, yeah. it, it might be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean. I feel like every game I've ever been in, at some point, I ended up in a deep conversation about the game with other mm-hmm. people right. who are in the game. Not necessarily to plot or metagame together, but just like, hey, oh, this is amazing. I wonder if Stu's going to be doing this. Like, right. just because you can't help yourself. You're, you're nerds about a thing you love. Like, mm-hmm. there's no stopping it. If you, if you find yourself... Let me back up one step up. Today, I was actually watching some videos on uh, musical theater and Broadway stuff, behind-the-scenes things. And there was a woman who's on tour with Waitress right now. So basically, she was doing eight shows a week on tour for uh, two years. So she's inhabiting this character and going on this emotional journey every day, twice on Sundays. Tw- right. And <clears throat> and she noticed that there was a she was having a real hard time separating Jenna, the character, and herself. Mm-hmm. And it, she find herself, you know, kind of just being Jenna all the time. And it seems real woo-woo-woo, but but I, I can kind the of thing. understand it. You're spending a lot of time. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's almost like being an undercover cop for Yes, like oh, six God. or eight months at a time. And she said that one of the things that helped her is something called the Alexander Technique, where you're able to separate the two. And it's much of what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Journaling, uh, figuring out which one is you, which one is what, what's important to stuff, kind of and, permit- to, and to per- decompress. And, okay, but but it's called the, sort of? it's 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 a it's a long thing. It's re- it's really yeah. about self help and stuff when okay. you find yourself stressed out and it, and it manifests itself physically. But there's other things involved. So this is it's not uncommon if you especially if you're a really intense role player and you've been playing a bunch of games that you get your character and you get confused. Mm-hmm. Just the, what you said, the undercover cop is a great example. Because yeah. literally that person's acting 24-7 and they can never drop it. Right. And it does mess with your head. So there's ways, because I can see Monster Hearts can do that to you. Especially if you play a bunch of games in a row. I can see that that intensity is just really hard to let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Check out some things about you know relaxing and stress relief. And uh, it, it was what she used was called the Alexander technique. Mm-hmm. I can't vouch for it, but I kind of want to look that up because it's it sounds interesting. It is, it is, and it's it, it, Stu's, Stu's cop, the actor, and role playing all have that common thing in head, which is you are basically spending a lot of time in someone else's head. Yeah, right. Yeah, and as with everybody, you can only act so much. A lot of it you're pulling out of your own personal experience, and those lines get blurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely make sure that you're setting aside time. Um, like especially like for your significant other things like that where you're not going to, where you try yeah. and block that and make that those like 
put some hard lines for yourself up. And don't tell, don't use that time to tell them about the game. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not <laughs> Yeah. A lot of spouses uh, of actors complain about that too. It's like, yeah, you need to like not that. bring your work home with you. Yeah. It's hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, do something that you would do, but your character would never do. Um, whether that's, you know, going out to just get burgers or, mm-hmm. like, whatever yeah. it is. Well, it's like working fair. 100%. We, you, I mean, we're not in character at fair. We we're are. Not, we're not yeah. in character at fair. But you start, you, you start to get... I used to be. You start to get real sharp mm-hmm. with your wit and come up with, with repartees like off the top of your head really quickly over the course of seven weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Personal story about that once. I remember that. Mm-hmm. With, your, with your first wife. Yeah. Well, yeah. She was a washerwoman. Yeah, they are. And they are, the, they are oh. the queens of the witty repartee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're very snarky. And, and, and we're driving home one night and I mention something and immediately pounces on the way I phrase something and it turns into this, well, ba 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 and, it, and, and I'm like, you to stop! <laughs> Turn that off! Yeah. <laughs> Shut that part of your brain off! Jesus! Yeah. But that's exactly what's going on with uh-huh. these people in the end of Monster Hunter. They're so caught up in it. I notice like point. when I'm at work or at, like after a season affair, it's like, it's like, oh, the, 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 the blade is sharp. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so someone says something all of a sudden, da, 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 and everyone's like, "Well, that's really funny. How'd you come up with that?" Well, I'm, Oops, for seven weekends, seven I'm, weekends, yeah. I'm a yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like my you know check one two joke. Yeah, that one. <laughs> oh god. Oh, god. Uh, Blake Ryan in the chat room says a little bit like changing out of work clothes after work to get out of the work mode. Right. So yeah, and that's an easy thing to say, but it, it is hard to do. Hard to do. It really is, yeah. and. Um, I can't. There is no magic bullet for that. You, you just have to figure out stuff in yourself. Channel but it. knowing that mm-hmm. you're that you're that you're having a hard time separating the characters is mm-hmm. most of the battle right there. Because if you know that that like oh my God, I'm I'm dwelling way too much time on this, or mm-hmm. spending, and I'm I'm finding myself crying over imaginary things that happen in a game world. That's not healthy. No, <laughs> I think this is more. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you also have to be really careful, um, especially with things like monster hearts. It can be easy to. Capture like, like those hormonal, emotional yeah. things from like teenagers and stuff. You have to be careful that you still can tell the difference, not just between yourself and your character, but like what's real and you're gonna and what's not. You're gonna s- simulate stuff, yeah, that is actually gonna cause dopamine drops. Absolutely. <laughs> well, like in your li- bloodstream, yeah. And it's like that- yeah, that was going to be the point I was going to make is that if there Monster Hearts is a great example, but there are still uh, any game can produce that kind of intense like where you just hit all the right notes and in a session and everybody just feels like it is. It's like you feel high. It's like it's, that's the jag- and that's dragon. That's kind of the brass ring of role playing yes. is, is that kind yeah. of situation. But yeah. I do think the decompress after is key, mm-hmm. and then like maybe even something like depending on if you can take a train or drive with. Yeah. Somebody like ride share with somebody that you play with so that you can decompress them more. Right. Because yeah. I, I think that helps kind of funnel that energy and sort of dissipate it yeah. so that you're not like hanging on to it. And maybe. It also, it also, it also make it worse. Make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you know I, mean? I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Because if you are you're having those. A feedback loop. Well, yeah. a feedback yeah. loop. But also, like, if you're. It's easy to get caught up in those youthful kind of dopamine reactions to the things that are happening at the table while your characters are falling in love. Um, You may not necessarily feel that really towards the person that you're role-playing with, but you start to get this idea of that's what love should feel like. 
So then when you're going home to your significant other who you've been with for, you know, a decade or two decades or more than that, like you start feeling dissatisfied. run dry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's just not that newness. Like, like, and all, you know, all relationships have, all relationships have their ups and downs and good times, bad times. Like it can be hard to, to, to feel contented with your real life when you have this like very intense dopamine filled like four to six hour session once a week you start then comparing your real life or how you're feeling in your real life to those sessions Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to not do that and differentiate between that Um, and that sometimes is one of the things that I've seen with role players and friends and stuff when they get super involved and I'm going to use the word addicted because I was addicted to Table, or not tabletop RPGs, but online RPGs because of these same types of feelings um, for a, a really long time in my life. I was literally addicted um, because I got those dopamine rushes, that great interaction stuff with that people you weren't getting that I wasn't in getting real in life. real life. So that can be a real danger zone. And I'm not saying that that's the case with, with um, the person who wrote in, but just there's a little bit of a warning thing when you're, you're like, more focused on the game than you are with your real life and your real significant other, especially since it's like Monster Hearts where there's a lot of that romance aspect involved. Just kind of keep an eye on that and be aware of that. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm going to bring it back to the GM. Don't, don't play Monster Something intense is Monster Hearts, <laughs> and I really agree. Stu and I were like, from the onset, when it was described as we're like, out, not interested, not at all. Why would I fucking want to relive high school? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm still reliving high school every day. I don't I'm need st- to be... I don't I'm actually stuck need to in a locker again. Uh, again. This I, is fabulous. It's I just as Monster fun Hearts. as the first time 30 years ago. Ago, locker, <laughs> nothing. But, but oh, someone gave me a swirly. As a GM, you need to be careful too, because there might be people that may not have the tools to realize that they yeah. have gotten into a dark place and not coming out. Uh, that's that's my, true. that's my, and I, I that is a serious criticism I have of that game is I think I I think that you are dealing with stuff, and if you're dealing with people who've experienced a lot of trauma, you might you're going to bring out a lot of raw things. And if you have a whole bunch of people who are a bunch of role players. And no one is equipped to right. be able to actually deal with someone table. suffering some something like that. I think I, I I I'm only semi joking when I say I don't think people should play it. I think it's a dangerous game. You got a table full of Bruce banners, and all of a sudden at the end of the game, they're all they're I, all hulked out. I, I, yeah, I'm going to disagree just because <laughs> I I really enjoy that game, and I think it's very very well done, and the safety tools are fantastic. I do think, to your point, though, Stu, that mm-hmm. and I think. More so in a game like that, you know, regardless maybe of like how high or low or whatever, if you're playing something that's going to tap into those emotions from people, that you really do need to have the debrief. Yeah. Because if people aren't using safe the safety tools mm-hmm. or they aren't, you know, yes. for whatever reason, yes. but yeah. was this game written by someone who's trained in clinical psychology or anything like that? Uh, do they really know what they're doing? Well, and the thing I'm is, serious. Yeah. I mean, do they? Ava- well. Avery has a tremendous yeah. amount of life experience. I do not know if she is a clinical psychologist. Yeah, that's not the same thing. Well, that's yeah. not the same and thing. Even if it, even if and it if wasn't. you're talking about someone who's experienced real trauma, like real serious trauma that is like deep down, you have someone have a break at the table mm-hmm. and have a, a real serious problem if you don't have people at the table who are equipped to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know many role players who are equipped to deal with like real serious break. I can't barely yes. handle my own shit, <laughs> let right. alone. Well, the, that's why I think... I, I, yeah. I've never I've never played Monster Hearts, but I have read through the book. There are a lot of fail safes. I yeah. I, I have hesitations about it as well um, because I have worked with you know seriously traumatic like traumatized kids, 
and I could see them getting their hands on it later in life and having it be it could be empowering it could also be harmful in some ways but I think just from what I've read like there are there's a limitation in that game to the number of sessions you should play consecutively right. and yep. like you and things like that and like yep. every single one of the rules in that book if you're going to play that game you yep. should follow every single one of those I, I rules I think that yep. that's important because I'm not assuming sure you guys the author knows what they're talking well, about but still the well, fact, the fact and let's just say the avenues tools. of communication need to be open and people yeah. need to feel comfortable with that yeah. because yeah there if you're n- not going to follow rules and you're not going to follow safety protocol and you're not going to have conversations and you're not going to debrief mm-hmm. and yeah if you're going to continue to kind of like think that you can free follow with it mm-hmm. yeah you're going to set yourself up for potentially an uh, an unhappy situation so it is a dangerous game i'm right well it, no i it think is, it's it's a any r- game is a dangerous game if you've got a depending you know, on subject matter if you've got a breakdown true. in communication yeah. and and there and the game goes to a place that triggers someone you don't know what's going to trigger somebody nope. just yeah. because monster hearts is written to monster hearts is, is written it is it's a, almost written to intentionally to trigger people no no it's intent it's intended to let people play out yes the opposite of what their teenage experience was. Yeah. And that doesn't, but that doesn't necessarily, it's not guaranteed, which can also be Unless a Unless that's not how the game goes. Right. right. So it's, yeah, yeah. it can be the, ra- it's kind of a razor's edge. Like it can in some ways be a way for people to, to relive high school in a way that's opposite for them. Absolutely. But it's I easy for the people that, especially with our, with the, not, I'm going to, Generalize here. Most role players weren't the weren't the jocks. The cool kids in school. Yeah. <laughs> so, Abrina and I, like, we were in sports and stuff, but still, like, we all of us had like our uh, our struggles in high school, um, and especially kind of like the nerd the nerd contingent. We all did a lot. So, I think it's meant to tap in and empower. And I've seen it do that for some people. Mm-hmm. I've also seen it work the other way. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe it should have a warning label on the front. There's a big, there's a section in there about uh-huh. like put it on, do like yeah. cigarette packs, put it on the floor. <laughs> there are so put many games like that though. Yeah, we should like, have a we should have a topic about this because this is a this is a very interesting. Just <laughs> <laughs> and I saw time. Breakfast Club. The jocks have problems too. Everybody has sure. problems. Everybody Absolutely. has problems. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, what can there's said, a reason. Though. There's a reason they they yeah. separate adolescence from the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, going back to the actual topic of this email, uh, journaling, uh, yeah. debriefs um, d- at the table, super important. Um, writing things out, creative, yeah, creative that's, outlets. That's what I was looking up here was yeah. uh, the Alexander technique. If you yeah. want to check it out, oh, Alexander cool. technique. Is it um, wiki? Is that Wikipedia? Uh, you, go to the, you go to the Wikipedia. Too. Okay, cool. Alexander technique. But and then, okay, that's yeah. what I was doing on my phone. Yeah, cool. and then just making sure you're cognizant of what is real and what is n- at the table. I'm not going to say not real because it is real in a way, but yeah. what is your regular, what is your actual life versus what is your role play life? Right. So. And if you want to do what the actors do, which is, you know, you, you, you take the time to, to leave your actor, whatever it is. Sometimes it's a physical thing, like I'm going to cross through this threshold and the character stays in the theater. Right. Whatever. Sometimes, sometimes it's just that simple. You're like, when I leave this game table, my, I leave my character on the table and I, I go home and it's sometimes saying something as stupid as that is enough for you to, to, to make a break so that you can you can still deal with it. Well, you're getting back to my rule about not talking about the game uh, away from the table. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I've never known you to follow that rule. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, I no, I don't. Know that was okay. a rule. I was going oh. to say, I've <laughs> never heard you say that. Like, you and I talk about every game ever. No, but I'm saying if you have a problem, if you're oh, having a problem yes. living yeah. your life. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Should, yeah. Th- that, yeah. Not not talking about the game, at the, but making those times where you don't get to talk about the game, like those boundaries. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I go to work and I do work. I don't. Yeah. 
I mean, if it's you slow, you don't I might talk go, to the truck drivers about like no the vampire. Game? <laughs> no, I get stuff in a locker. They planned a fashion show, right? <laughs> Although. More and more people are playing role-playing so cool. games. I mean, yeah. I remember I remember outing myself. I'm sorry, that's a terrible way to say it. But at, at work, and they were all like, oh, yeah, really? That's kind of cool. Whereas 10 years ago, I would have been. Boom, you're in a yeah, locker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I miss trying all that fucking stuff me in a locker, asshole. Good luck right. with that. Huh? It's like, fuck you, asshole. Try and stuff me in a locker. Oh, it took two or three of them. Because I, I was big back then, too, yeah. so I barely <laughs> fit. Can you with those swimmer shoulders, you wouldn't fit. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Plus, I was captain of the fucking swim team. So go ahead, asshole. Then you got the whole fucking swim team on your ass. Oh, I, I, got, that. I got jumped by the whole, by the, <laughs> really? the whole wrestling team and uh, oh, yeah. hog tied me to like two hundred pound barbell. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that was the that was their initiation. Yeah, um, and they stuck a dirt, stuck a dirty sock in my mouth, oh. and then they all left. Those fuckers. Amazing. Oh yeah, and then in, in walked uh-huh. the coach, who's also the British literature teacher, but he was also the wrestling coach. He walks in, looks at me, goes. Oh. Laughs for about two minutes and pulls the sock out of my mouth and unties it. Oh. oh my god, I was like a mouth agape for about thirty seconds. That was not there. that. Holy that was shite. that was not a traumatic experience. That's guys. What? No, that's that was just, not a that's traumatic just, experience. That's what guys do. I don't understand that. Oh yeah. Well, wow. I, the reason I joined the wrestling team was just getting beat up in uh, in gym class. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh yeah. my god. Yeah, yeah. I, I really want to go back to play role playing games about fucking high school. Hi. Well, <laughs> Monsters, you get to be the vamp, the the werewolf who fucking murders yeah, maybe. the entire yeah, see. wrestling yeah, team. Sure. I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not taking the chance. I'm not saying you want to. If I do could that. go back in time, go to high school, I would drop out. <laughs> I'd go get a job at McDonald's. Oh. <laughs> right. Oh. And then get your GED and go to journalism school. Uh, no, I don't think I'd get a journalism degree if I, if I had it to do over. Okay. Again. Yeah, no, it's, not it's that coming handy. A degree. Well, no, but it's coming handy with ro- writing your role playing games. Yeah, I could get a composition degree. Journalism or like just that. really teaches you how to argue well. It's it's like it's like yeah. the lazy lawyer. That's like kind of it, it actually like it, it's how to pry pe- information out of people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so all you're saying basically it's the best degree ever for being a GM. Kind so you get the writing component, kind, you get kind. the getting truth out of people, yes. you get okay. There the, you go. Except there's barely any. It's there's barely any journalism. Journalism. Oh. James V says you should so. go back and buy stock in Apple. Oh, there you right. go. That's what I would do. Then I wouldn't have to go to school. See, yeah. that's what you could do in your Monster Hearts right. game. Like, yeah. I, would like in, like, I, would like to, I would like you to name your university after me, yes. please. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Thanks, guys. Woo. I can't play this song. Uh, no, no like really? You can, uh, yeah, no. Play the, play the AP country version. I love okay. that one. Thank you for joining us for season 24, episode 13 of Happy Tech Stuff Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. My name is Gina. I'm late. <laughs> you were almost you are there. You were late. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week, 7 p.m. ish Pacific time on Friday. And uh, watch our APs in the meantime on Sunday and Monday and Wednesday. Thank you very much. And easyrollerdice.com. EasyRollerDice.com slash giant with an S. Back that. Stuff. Yep. Bye. I've lived a thousand lives. I piloted a thousand souls. I killed and fought and died just for a single road. I really, I really do need to re-record the baseline on this. There's so many mistakes I'm hearing right now. Jesus. Oh yeah. Thank you.
a thousand times ado. We're going away from the holy ground and the girls that we love true. We will sail the salt seas over and then return for sure to see again the girls we love at the holy ground once more. Fine girl, you You're are the girl that I adore and still I live in hopes to see the holy ground once more. Smart.